Welcome to The Joe Show, a podcast that has real conversations with real people about topics that really matter to you. And now your podcast host, Joe Amaral. So we're doing things a little bit differently today. Mm-hmm. We are talking about your journey from Jerusalem to Liberia. Yeah, to Monrovia. Yeah. What a what a journey. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally different, totally out of left field, kind of, mm-hmm. and... Yeah, like you just got back from Liberia. How how was the the trip? How mm-hmm. you know what happened? Yeah, well, today is I don't even know what the date is. It's Wednesday when we're taping this in real time. So whatever that day is, <laughs> and I got back. The days all blend together. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday, <laughs> and I got back Sunday night. Whatever day that was, it was Sunday, and um, you know it, it was it was different. You know, I think we both knew that it was going to be a different kind uh, of an experience. Um, I've never traveled during a global pandemic before. Yeah, who has? <laughs> yeah, or shortly there thereafter. Right. You know, some people might say, oh, you're nuts. Why would you go? And, yeah. you know, don't you see what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't like a blind decision. We didn't mm-hmm. say, oh, we're going and we don't care. Right. No, no. it was very calculated. I mean, we had been looking very at much. all the numbers. We had been seeing how... You know, the numbers in Canada had dropped and, mm-hmm. and even in Europe we yeah. were watching, we were paying very close attention and we thought this was probably the right window because if there does happen to be like a, you know, a second, second wave, wave of this, yeah. we're sort of maybe in between yeah. the waves. Yeah, I mean, we definitely were watching the, the numbers and, you know, on July 1st, Air Canada said we're opening up again for international mm-hmm. travel. So that kind of got my attention. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But you can't fly directly to Liberia. You got to go through right. Europe, so you got to make sure you can go through there. And then on July first, uh, the EU uh, made their announcement. Of, I think it was 14, 15 countries initially that were um, that were at a, at a place where COVID was under control enough that they would allow, you know, transit through their airport. And mm-hmm. Canada was one of the first on the list. And I was like, "That's it, I'm going." You <laughs> I know, think July second, you booked your ticket. Literally, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no messing around. July second, yeah. I, yeah. I booked. I booked the ticket and that was it. I, n- I never, I never yeah. looked back yeah. and I didn't know what to expect. Right. I got to right. be honest with you. And for anybody who's listening, go back on what I leave July 29th, I think it was. Something like that, so yeah. go back to my, my social media mm-hmm. and watch the posts from the 29th and the, and the 30th where I posted videos at the Toronto airport, Montreal and Brussels. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like out of an apocalyptic movie scene. Right. Especially right. when I got to Brussels, Karen, there was like nobody there. I went to the mm-hmm. very back of the terminal just to kind of get a look and, and, and look down the, in the, the hallway. Corridor. Yeah. It's like, wow, like, listen to the sound. In an international terminal. I, I mean, I it, it never was. Happens. No, it was yeah. insane. And so you don't know really what to expect because, you know, before you go, you have this a little bit of a paranoia mm-hmm. and, you know, oh, what's going to happen? And, you know, we've learned a lot since COVID, you know, first yeah, kind of surfaced here end of February, beginning of March, where we thought if you step outside, you're going to catch it. And, you know, we, we know now that it's, it's a little more difficult to transmit than initially was thought. And you have to be really within, like really close to a person. They have to cough basically right in your space and then you have to inhale it. So it's not like, like we first thought it was going to mm-hmm. be, yeah. but still... But still, there were some nerves surrounding it. Of course, there was yeah. a little bit, kind of freaked out a bit. Yeah. And then, you know, I knew we had to wear the mask mm-hmm. the, the whole time. I think that was probably the thing I was most worried for you is like, how would you do wearing the mask for for the whole trip? Yeah. I mean, you know, like, okay, think of, 
think of yourself if you pop into the grocery store you know to get mm-hmm. some stuff and you're in there for 30 40 minutes mm-hmm. by the time you get to the car you're like oh take this thing off know, my face I right know. well our daughter is a nurse and she has to wear her her mask her entire 12 hour shift yeah can't take it off and so i was thinking wow this is going to be Dub- more than double that yeah yeah and you kind of think ah it's not that big a deal i can do it mm-hmm. and then you know you get on the first leg to montreal okay it's a short little hop mm-hmm. but you can't take it off when you get off the plane right because you're not outdoors you're still in a terminal mm-hmm. so you have to mm-hmm. keep it on then you have a five hour layover you're like okay oh that is an eight hour flight mm-hmm. and then there's a six and a half hour layover and mm-hmm. then on and on it goes and by the time you get there two things happen you, mm-hmm. you have a little bit of a panic attack along the way you're like i can't breathe i can't breathe and so you kind of do a quick lift and put it back down just <gasps> give me a second of a fresh, fresh air, air you know yeah and, and going you had that paranoia coming back it was a different story and after spending a couple of weeks in Liberia and kind of getting, you know, living with with these you know, um, limitations of masks and stuff, you kind of get used to it. So coming home, it was a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And everybody wears their masks. So you feel you feel safer. You know that, you know, you're a lot more more protected. But, you know, when you get there, you have to show your 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 negative COVID-19 test. You have to uh, then there's. Like in Canada, we have to quarantine for two weeks when we get back. They don't have that there just yet, but you do have to, you know, wear your masks and mm-hmm. keep your distance. And I was actually pleasantly shocked that whenever you go like into a legitimate store, not somebody's shop, like on a side street, but in Monrovia, we had to go to a music store to get something. And, you know, there's a hand washing station outside. You have to wear your mask or you can't go inside. Mm-hmm. They check your temperature before they go inside. Mm-hmm. And you're like... That's actually more than we're doing here in Canada. Yeah. I've never had to do that here. Yeah. So I, w- I was really, really impressed. And well, so. And each mm. county that you drove through, they would make everybody get out of the car yeah. and wash their hands <laughs> and sanitize. And yeah, if you yeah. if you didn't have sanitizer in your car, you're right. You had to get out and yeah. wash your hands. And if you had it, they would say, "Wash your hands." And they, they would watch you, you sanitize yeah. your hands, and they're like, "Okay, you can you, you can, can go. go." And I was like. Yeah. Wow, Liberia, good for you. And they had yeah. signs everywhere. Yeah. Coronavirus is, is real. Mm-hmm. You know, wash your hands, keep distancing. I was well, like, I wonder amazed. too if like they went through the Ebola crisis not not that long right, ago. Right. And so I think probably all of those safety measures that they had to put in place for that made them maybe a little bit more prepared for something like this. Oh, big time. And they didn't get it till what, a month and a half after yeah. it, it ripped through Europe and then came to North yeah. America. So they they had a, a window into this thing can spread really fast. Right. We need to like curb it at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And they did. And when I was there, they had to revise their numbers of COVID cases and mm-hmm. deaths because uh, COVID is coinciding with their what they call their fever season, mm-hmm. which is the rainy season, which is when the malaria, um, when the mosquitoes are, what's the word? Active. When, when they're producing. like... Producing. Hmm? Producing? Yeah. Re- reproducing. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. And so... <laughs> And because they're making little things. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, the mosquitoes are, are reproducing and the rain kind of brings them out. And a lot of people get malaria. And, and it's like we get the cold over here. Mm-hmm. What's wrong? Oh, I have malaria. Oh, okay. I'll be better in four or five days. Mm. So you get a fever, you get aches and pains, you get problems with breathing sometimes. Mm. So it was very close to COVID. But then when they were doing trace contacting, they were noticing that the people who apparently had COVID nobody like if they had 10 or 11 people living in their house nobody had covid so they're like oh this isn't covid it's just the standard you know malaria the mm-hmm. the fever and so the cases actually were were pretty low and then i was in parts of the country where um 
people had never heard of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were so deep in the jungle sometimes that people were like, well, what yeah, are you talking about? Right. So I, I felt I felt good. I, I felt safe all around. Mm-hmm. But, but more than just, you know, going during a pandemic, the reaction of people. Mm-hmm. First of all, you're white, so you really stand out. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. outside the capital where there's no business, when they see you, they're like, are you lost, sir? Like, can we help you? <laughs> So, no, I'm here on purpose. They're like, why? On a good day, but during, you know, the end of a global pandemic, they're like, you came? I said, yeah, God has called me just to come and love on you guys and to be here and just, you know, just to do whatever we can mm-hmm. do to help. Mm-hmm. And every church, every meeting, you know, in the restaurant at the hotel, I was at everywhere. People were like, we can't believe you came. Wow, you must really love us. And I mm-hmm. said, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's a love that God gave. So yeah. just for that alone, for the reaction of the people, mm. you know, they would clap when you would walk into a church. They're like, Pastor Joe, we knew that you loved us, but mm-hmm. you're here. Mm-hmm. Of all times, you're here. And yeah. they said that at every meeting I went to. Yeah. And I was kind of like, I didn't see it as that big a deal. Right. And, you know, they're like, it must be so difficult. I said, you know what? It was so easy because God called me to do it. Right. Right. Yeah, I remember when Wayne Hilson was in Israel and wars would be breaking out and, and things like that. Yeah, and, and um, terrorism would be on the rise right, or whatever. Right. And people would be like, you're the one that stayed. So basically, the Liberians are the ones saying, hey, you're the one that came during this really scary and rough time. Yeah. And you came and visited us. Well, yeah, because you, you can say on, on, on a Facebook post, hey, I love Liberia from the safety of my beautiful home in Canada. Mm-hmm with electricity mm-hmm. and food and a fridge and that's easy to say but when you get off the plane and you walk onto their platform they're like whoa you really love us so i mean it was oh, mm-hmm. it was so moving to see their their reactions so you worked in a ministry mm-hmm. that was heavily involved in israel since 2002 yeah. to 2016 that's right so you were there 14 years mm-hmm. and then Boom. Why Liberia? Like, how, <laughs> how did that come about? And Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a really long story, as you know. And yeah. I don't think we've ever, like, really publicly talked about the transition from mm-hmm. First Century Foundations to to uh, Christian Research Group, to Huntley Street, to Portico, to Hope for Liberia. Like, the last couple of years has been just insane. Oh, in- it's been, yeah. Insane. Four years of a big ride <laughs> it's been like hop 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 and yeah it's almost like you're kind of you're testing out everything and you're pushing mm-hmm. all the doors and mm-hmm. seeing which ones are going to open which ones close and, and it's kind of like a process of elimination and kind of trying to figure out where you are yeah sort of a fine-tuning i think i, I think it is yeah. and and everything i know now that everything i went through and everything that i experienced and was able to do i uh, really did prepare me mm-hmm. in every sense of the word for what we're doing in liberia mm-hmm. now so yeah, yeah Back in 2002, you know, we started, I went to Israel and kind of got this whole, you know, revelation of understanding, you know, Jesus through his culture and and, and that. And that's still a part of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it always will be. Oh, yeah. In fact, I do that in Liberia. Yeah. <laughs> and they call it going backstage with Pastor Joe because <laughs> they don't understand idioms and all that. So, yeah. you know, we call it going backstage and seeing what's really going on. Mm-hmm. So that's a part of me. It always will be. And it very much has affected what I'm doing in, in Liberia. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for 14 years, I traveled literally all around the world. And, you know, when when I first started, at least with First Century Foundations, you know, your mom and dad had had been running it on their own. And it Mm -hmm. was, you know, it was it was good and it was it was doing well. And then when I came on, God just used the passion, 
you know, for the Hebraic roots to be able just to kind of take it to a whole other level, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I, I launched uh, the TV show and that did really well. And, and I wrote the book, Understanding Jesus, and that did really well. And I traveled to Hong Kong and China and South Africa, and I went to Australia and England, all mm-hmm. over the world yeah, teaching yeah. it. And it was awesome. And, and, and I loved it. But then when it came time to uh, to take the directorship of the ministry, mm-hmm. I knew right away, it's not my heart. It's mm-hmm. not my passion to to do what your dad had, had been doing. Right. You know, just doing the Hebraic root stuff. Yeah, that's me mm-hmm. all day long. Mm-hmm. But taking the reins and kind of, you know, pushing the whole idea of visiting the ministries in Israel and raising, you know, prayer support for that. It, it wasn't my baby and it wasn't my passion. And I knew that it wouldn't be fair to the ministry to stay mm-hmm. just for the sake of, you know, of steady income. I said, no, that's, that's not fair to the ministries. It's not fair to the people giving. Mm-hmm. And it was both a hard decision and not a hard decision. Mm-hmm. It was hard because, you know, I'd been there for so long and, you know, knew everybody. Uh, but, but it was easy in the sense that I knew I wasn't called to take it mm-hmm. into the next, mm-hmm. into the next chapter. So I stepped away in what four years ago, August, mm-hmm. 2016. Right. And so stepping away from that, and then uh, I had been a guest for many years on 100 Huntley Street, right? And then I started acting as a, as a guest co-host, and then as a permanent co-host, and then eventually I became the host of the show, and I was doing that. And I don't know, even though they were great, and the ministry's influence was great across our country, I don't know, there was just something unsettled in me, like, this isn't you, this isn't yours. Mm. There's something else, but I didn't know what. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I walked away from that, and people thought, Joe, that's a, I know, but again, I can't just stay because it's comfortable. That's not enough for me. Right. You know, maybe it's free. It's not enough for me. Mm -hmm. I got to be passionate about it. I'd rather be broken passionate, like really, (laughs) and we're pretty close. (laughs) So... (laughs) And then I was offered a position, you know, at a good-sized church in, in the Toronto area, and same kind of thing. It was going really well. I mean, the ministry was growing. The Bible studies were growing, and that same feeling, you know, this isn't yours. This isn't what I've called you mm-hmm. to, to do, and mm-hmm. so yeah. I walked away from that. Yeah. And again, people said, are you nuts? That's yeah. a great gig. And I said, again, if I'm not passionate about it, I, I can't stay just yeah. because it's comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And we, we've always been like that we've Mm -hmm. chosen passion over passion over comfort over comfort yeah so i walk you know i left there and we just went back on the road for a year and change with Mm -hmm. the christian research group Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. you know we we started and you know i was traveling and you know it was going especially the first year i mean Mm -hmm. it was really Mm -hmm. people were excited i was back on the road we had lots of invitations it was great Then it started to slow down and i remember thinking oh that's that's kind of weird why is it why is it slowing down Mm. You know, and in that moment when I was discouraged, I can look back on it now and right. go, oh, God, you are slowing it down yeah. so that it would be easier for me to walk away from so that I could go to, yeah. to Liberia. Yeah. So if we backtrack a little bit, though. Sure. In 2015. Oh, you um, want to go with 2015? <laughs> yeah. 2015 was not a good year for us. <laughs> Close to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there were a lot of things going on. But in 2015... Uh, Pastor Sam in Liberia, he had this amazing thing happen to him. Yeah. Yeah. So, and actually he just told it again Yeah. Um, on this past trip. Okay. He told it in front of the whole church and it was mm. great to be reminded of it again. Yeah. Cause I said, Sam, I kind of remember what you said, but give me the full, the full thing. Yeah. So he was at a conference, I believe it was down in South Africa 
And on the way home, they, they stopped off in, in Accra in, in, in Ghana and they decided mm. to stay for two weeks and, and do some visiting around. And he just walked into a church. He didn't know the pastor, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. So when an African guy walks into an African church, you know, big deal. It's, yeah. You don't stand out. It's right. whatever. And he, he went to the service. And after the service, it was the pastor who came up to him. Mm. And this is 2015. Sam had just been accepted into a, a well-known Christian university in the U.S. Mm. Full scholarship worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm. They were going to pay for his flights, his visas, his his accommodations, everything. Mm-hmm. So he's ready and to go. And for his family to come too. And for his family to come. Yeah. That's a big commitment. A big jump yeah. Yeah. from Liberia to America. Right. And he was on the verge of going, and then he stopped into this church in Accra, and the pastor said, uh, you know, God says that a big blessing is coming to you, but it's not through America, it's through Canada. Hmm. And this is in 2015, and Sam goes, Canada? No, no, you mean America. There's money in America. There's influence in America. False prophet, get get thee behind me, you know? What do you mean, Canada? Right. So he kind of, he parked the idea, mm-hmm. you know, and I know we, we've had this conversation where we look back and we're like, wow, 2015, mm-hmm. it was like, I'm going to call it for what it was. It was a year of hell yeah. for, it for was us. Literally the worst year of our lives. I don't think I had ever cried more. Yeah. And, and just, we were like, there were no hills. There were only valleys <laughs> in that year. Honestly, that was such a difficult year for, it, it was, for and everything. You know, they say there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, but I didn't see any oh, light. That was a hard one. It yeah. was just, it yeah. was a tunnel. <laughs> and, you know, and to look again now, you know, yeah. when you have, you have the drone view of your right, life and, and, right. and you look at it and you go, wow. God. So you think, okay, when we were in the midst of the worst year of our lives, God mm-hmm. was already speaking to Pastor Sam about I'm going to do something. He already had a plan in mind, even though we were in like the the hugest valley we had ever been in. God says, I see the big picture. I'm I'm in the background. I'm working on something. Exactly. And and so again, just to pull back and look at that and go, wow, God, you were preparing him. And so now we fast forward to 2018. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd left already first century. I'd left uh, Portico. I'd left... Huntley Street mm-hmm. and you know people are like what are you doing you're yeah. going back dude you're like going to be 50 like what are you doing and <laughs> right. I'm like I, I don't know this is just kind of like the, the the natural flow of the river for me right now mm-hmm. I'm just kind of going with where God is taking me mm-hmm. and then in November 2018 uh, this guy mm-hmm. who I'd never met before Pastor Sam Abel Binsay you know, from Liberia, a country that I don't think I'd ever really heard about. Mm-hmm. Didn't know where it was. I was certain it was African, but I didn't know where. You know, out of the blue, this guy writes me and he says, you know, we, we need this teaching mm. in Liberia. And he was referring to the Hebraic roots. So it was a neat connection. Yeah, yeah. He would watch my, my YouTube videos online and just be blown away and thinking, oh, God, if we could get this guy into our churches, it would just help us so much. Mm. Because Liberia, I can't speak for all African countries because I don't know them all, but I'm really getting to know Liberia. Mm. A lot of the times, it's, it's a cultural thing. You know, preachers get up there and, and you yell and you scream and you dance and you spit. And when it's all over, there's really been nothing taught. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of you, know, you know, energy and people leave, hey, happy. But like, what's that doing you know, for your walk with God during the week when, when tragedy hits and all that kind of happens? Mm. And this is what the pastors told me. They said, Pastor Joe, we need the tool so we can actually divide the word of God and teach it and give people the power of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. 
And so they fully embrace what, I, what I'm doing. But before we get there, so Sam sends me this little note mm-hmm. saying, you know, we really need, you know, this teaching over here. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we agreed to go over. And I'll never forget that one line where he said, you know, Pastor Joe, the people of Liberia aren't stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, we're yeah. not ignorant. It's just that nobody will come here and teach us. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you mean nobody will come? Yeah. And then you go there and you realize, oh, nobody will come. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to pay for your flight. Right. You got to pay for your hotel if you want water and electricity. You got to mm-hmm. pay for your food. You got to raise all the funds for any ministry you want to do. You have to give your books away. They average on a good week five dollars U.S. a week mm-hmm. in their in their offerings. Mm-hmm. So how how dare you think they're going to pay you five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars? I mean, there's no way. And yeah. I went, ah, nobody comes here because there's no money. Mm-hmm. I said, God, there's no way I'm letting money get in the way of what you want to do. Right. You have the money. Give me the money so I can go. <laughs> and I mean, without even a charity in place, you put it out there online just saying, you know, there's this opportunity, but we don't have the finances to go. And people just, they gave from all corners and saying, we, we believe in this. We, yeah. we believe in these, you know, these mm-hmm. teachings, the Hebraic roots that need to get out there. And, you know, it was like a Moses moment. We had to say, okay, you can stop giving now. (laughs) I just needed whatever it was, $2,500 to buy the ticket for my son and I and enough just to, you know, get some food and go over there. We had Mm -hmm. to like, like Moses, stop giving the gold. We have more than enough. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I've never had a response like that before. People were so excited for it. And so... You know, well, and then your birthday was around that time. And so right. for your birthday, we did kind of like this little a challenge challenge of, and just everybody, they, all the gifts that they brought you that year were to go to Liberia. Yeah, yeah. So we had things like, um, you know, medical supplies, like, um, bandages and, yeah. and, and, and then b- medicine, b- basic and, hygienic things yeah, like, well, like soap yeah, toothbrush, toothpaste. Yeah. <clears throat> so it, it was amazing. And that was trip one. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I went to South Africa, had a wonderful time, mm-hmm. but God didn't give me a burden, you know, right. to start a ministry there. Went mm-hmm. to Australia, had a great time. I went to England. I went to Hong Kong a bunch of times. So I thought maybe, hey, I'll go to Liberia. Mm-hmm. You know, it's another really cool thing to put on my, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever you call it, my, what do you call it? List of countries that you Yeah, visited. you know, <laughs> yes, I've also been to West Africa. You know, you'll go, you'll come home and your life will go on. Right, right. But man, did God have a surprise in store yeah, for us yeah. when we got there. You know, our son Danny, Daniel, came came mm-hmm. with us that first trip. And you know, I think sometimes we, we glamorize poverty. You're like, oh, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be a blessing to these people. And then you get off the plane, you're like, whoa, this mm-hmm. is like legitimate poverty. And, and just to see it over and over again, everywhere you go, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's everywhere. And so God just broke my heart for... Yeah for the nation and then i came back and i began to share with you what we were seeing i mean god had already been working on both of oh our hearts goodness. i mean way we before i went we couldn't even talk about liberia without like our eyes filling with tears and i remember talking to my mom and dad about this and and saying what is up with me and my mom said to me she said karen when we got mm-hmm. the call to israel she goes it was the exact same thing i could not stop crying and i didn't know why yeah. and it was literally god breaking our hearts for yeah. for these precious people that we'd never met right you know, and now, now we've met them. Now yeah. I know them. I mean, you know, they're oh, the sweetest, sweetest people. And mm-hmm. they're so grateful and, and so, so thankful. So that that's kind of, 
Hmm. Believe it or not, the, the shortest version hmm. that I can give you. I, I'm not even giving you the story in the Stars Connection and the guy from 100 years ago, Jasper Toe. That'll be hmm. maybe another conversation. Right. But just just getting there and then not realizing, wow, God, this is why everything else kind of fell to the to the side and mm-hmm. didn't become as important. And all right. of a sudden, this is all there seems to be. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, you know, when I go to bed, I'm excited because, oh, in the middle of the night, Pastor mm-hmm. Sam will respond to me for the question that I had. So I struggle to sleep until he writes <laughs> me back at four in the morning. Yeah. And then I wake up oh, all excited to get his message. And then I think about all day, God, what can I do? What can we do? And yeah. what's next? And yeah. Well, speaking of what can you do, what's been happening? What what have been the the most recent projects that you're, like, I know you're always Mm -hmm. waking up in the middle of the night with an idea and like, you know, God always plants these little things and you'll wake up and you go, Karen, we're supposed to do this. (laughs) Well, um, so I've been home now for a few days. So Mm -hmm. about three weeks, no, two weeks before I left for Liberia. Mm -hmm. Or was it a week? I don't remember. Maybe two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I woke up on a Friday morning Mm -hmm. and I went, chickens (laughs) and you're like what i said i think we should buy chickens Mm. you know we should build a chicken coop and we should buy a few hundred chickens and you know the ones that they call the the layers you know eggers and if we get enough chickens you know we can get thousands of eggs every month once they reach you know the the certain age and we can feed so many people in the community we can Mm -hmm. sustain them this is what we got to do. And so, right. of course, I messaged Pastor Sam and I said, hey, look into getting chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows me well enough by now. I'd be like, okay. Yeah. Not- well, I think he had just been talking about it too, wasn't it? A couple days before yeah. you had approached him about it. Yeah, um, which was so cool. So uh, they're, they're doing some um, agricultural work. And mm-hmm. so they just kind of decided to plant some, what was it? Uh, green onions and string beans and sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. They're trying some corn, some plantains, all, all kinds of, of different things. Mm-hmm. And while the guys were, were working in the field, they were saying, oh, Pastor Sam, you know, this is so great because for so long we've been working for other people and, you know, getting minimal pay. And then they're the ones taking all the food and crops home. And it's the same with chickens. We've been caring for chickens for like 10 years and we don't even get an egg. I mean, we just do the work and then they take it all away. Mm-hmm. It would be so great if one day... God would give us that. Yeah. And then literally like 48 hours later, I, you yeah. know, I wake up, you know, chickens. Chickens. So Sam's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, and, and three days later, he's like, okay, here's the price for the chickens. Here's how much it'll cost to build a coop to house that many chickens. And mm-hmm. they get the feed, immunization, and the lights and the feeders and blah. boom, it's done. And next thing yeah. you know, you know, I'm in Liberia and, and, and they're building the chicken coop. Mm-hmm. You know, they're digging the foundation by hand. They're bringing in the stones. We got the screening around. We got the roof up. And, you know, go, go to go to my Facebook or Instagram page. Mm-hmm. And during, um, what was it, July July 30th through August 15th-ish, mm-hmm. uh, you'll see I posted daily videos of on the updates and, and the, uh, the progress of the chicken coop. And it's been absolutely amazing. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited to say that the chicken coop and, and the chickens are completely, we raised all the money that we needed for mm-hmm. them. And right now they're on their way as we speak today. Yeah. I don't know when you're listening to this, but as we're <laughs> recording this, they're going to meet with, with the chicken guy yeah. to find out the, the, the type of chickens that we need, the ones that lay the most kind of egg. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's been an incredible, incredible journey. Mm-hmm. So that's been our, our, our main thing. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, we started working with an orphanage. Mm-hmm. And so we don't start these ministries. We, we find 
people there already who have a passion and compassion to work in their communities. Mm -hmm. And then God brings us alongside them and we say, hey, how can we help you serve the community better? better? I don't live here, so what can I do to make your ministry more effective? Oh, Pastor Joe, if we had this and we could Mm -hmm. do this. And that's what people see online. When I make posts, it's us working alongside ministries who are there. It's Liberians helping Liberians. And so we, we were introduced to an orphanage called uh, Winners Outreach Academy. And I saw the video, you know, that Sam took while he was visiting these kids and, you know, just melted, just melted my heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instantly we both said we got to do something. Right. And so we bought mattresses because they were sleeping on the floor and it was it was awful. Mm-hmm. They had no water. So we dug a well for them. And, you know, we've been buying just as many bags of rice as we can and it had been a really long day and we thought oh should we just put off visiting the orphanage because it's just mm-hmm. it's been such a crazy busy day and it's like no we came all the way here we we, we got to go visit the kids and then the pastor called me and he said they've been waiting since 6 a.m this morning for oh, you <laughs> you're like oh bleeding heart okay we gotta go we gotta go <laughs> yeah so you get in your truck and it's once you get off the main road again go watch the videos of the mm-hmm. roads i'm roads. using using air quotes <laughs> of the roads you take to get there and people are like why are you always having to fix your truck watch the video yeah and, and so we we get to the orphanage and uh, i have here beside me this this little blue flower Mm-hmm. And by the time this uh, podcast goes live, I'm going to post a picture. Um, Pastor Solomon took it, uh, the little girl giving me this, this flower. And so um, this sweet little girl, she came all shy. You have to remember, I'm the first white person they've ever seen. Nobody goes to visit them. They don't go to visit you know, anybody themselves. So I was the first you know, non-African to show up at their at their orphanage and she came up with this little blue flower and gave it to me she was all like sheepish and shy and i thanked her for it and i couldn't hug her because of covid you know but but i thanked her for it and the kids they sang songs to me and just oh i'm so glad we went it was worth every bump in in that road every every mile every kilometer that we had to drive together it was so worth it and I remember we were talking later that night. Mm-hmm. I remember that was probably the most difficult day for you there. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. You're like, are you okay? I'm like, I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Something happened. I said, no, 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 nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like nothing happened. I mm-hmm. just. You were really burdened by it, I yeah. think. Yeah. That was a really heavy emotional day for you. Yeah. Well, sister, Ag- mother Agnes, they call her the one who kind of runs the orphanage, took me around and showed me the, the facilities. I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. It was just dilapidation isn't even the word mm-hmm. I, would, I would use. And these kids are living in these incredibly horrific conditions. And yet mm-hmm. they come and they greet you with yeah. a smile. They had signs for me. Welcome, Pastor Joe. It was the sweetest thing. And so between the chicken coop, which thankfully is has been paid for, now we're praying about, God, what can we do for this orphanage? Mm-hmm. What can we do for these kids and other orphans in the area? And unfortunately, there's a lot of yeah. orphans. Uh, people can't take care of their kids, and so they drop them off to somebody who has a little more means than, than they do. Mm-hmm. So we're asking people, you know, please, you know, hop on, uh, go to hopeforliberia.com, 
uh, get all our e-transfer um, information there. And we want to raise as much as we can to do as much as we can for these kids. Mm -hmm. They deserve everything and more mm -hmm. that we can do for them. Yeah, it's amazing. And I am so excited for what God is doing there. Like, See, and, and, and I love that, yeah, you know, I mean... Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't have called this the Joe Show because it's not just about Joe. It's Joe and Karen who are on board for what mm -hmm. God is doing in Liberia. And mm -hmm. you're as excited as I am. And you have as much, if not more, empathy for people than I do. And, and I love that we're in this together, mm -hmm. that the passion is mm -hmm. coming from, from both of us. Yeah. You just happen to be more of the mouth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm usually I'm usually the quiet one. I mean, this is this is actually out of my comfort zone to to be doing something like this. So yeah, no, but I think it's important for people to know that we're doing this, mm -hmm. you know, together. And yeah, right. I'm the face. I'm the one who goes. I'm the one you're going to see on social media. You mm -hmm. know, you may not see Karen in front of the camera, but you know, we are equally passionately in this thing, bringing hope to and for Liberia. Mm -hmm. So we're called Hope for Liberia, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which was, I mean, a huge part of of what we want to bring to Liberia. Right. It's not just, um, you know, it's not just provision. It's not, but it's, it's so much more. It's more than that. just money and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But during this time of COVID it's, there have been a lot of feelings of hopelessness, oh, I think, yeah. because yeah. finances have been so difficult for the people there. Mm -hmm. uh, they've had to be in lockdown for, you know, for several months. It's difficult for them to earn money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how, how are we helping? Yeah. So mm -hmm. even though COVID-19 isn't like slamming Liberia like the same way it did here in Canada and especially in, mm. in the U.S. because the cases are really low. We already talked about how the fever season was throwing the numbers off. So there's not like a ton you know, of cases there. But the, ec the economic mm. um, effect is catastrophic. So yeah. they can't import rice. They can't sell what little exports they, they do have. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, imagine being poor, you know, and, you know, we, we talked to people where like a few widows we had some meetings with and they're averaging between 200, 250 US dollars a year. Like that's their yeah, salary. That's right. what they're, one was selling soap. Some makes uh, little sandals they sell in the market. Mm -hmm. Well, now they can't go to the market. Right. Because it's too busy. They can't afford the masks. They can't afford the sanitizer. So they stay at home. Mm -hmm. So people's hope has been going down, down, mm -hmm. and down. Right. So just by being there in person and being right in front of them and speaking with them right away brings hope to them. Mm -hmm. Of course, helping the orphanage and, mm -hmm. and the chicken coop and buying the, the rice and, and we're buying, you know, uh, clothing for children and villages and that all brings hope. Mm -hmm. But I think the greatest way we've been bringing hope to people is just by being there with them. Mm -hmm. it, it just, they, they don't know how to process it because they're like, no one has ever loved us like this before, has loved us enough to get on a plane and fly to the other side of the world through a pandemic to come here just to look us in the eye and say, God hasn't forgotten you. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. I would say that, people would weep. When I would yeah. say, God has not forgotten you. He sent mm -hmm. me to to tell you, to remind you that he mm -hmm. loves you and he has a plan for you and we're going to get through this and we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're living up to our name. You know, we're not the hope for Liberia, but God is the hope for right. Liberia. And, you know, you can bring all the food in the world you want and bring all the clothing and money, but they're still going to be hungry tomorrow. Mm -hmm. They're still going to mm -hmm. need clothes next month. But when you, when you can instill and light that spark of hope in them, that lasts a lifetime it's infectious because mm -hmm. hope mm -hmm. brings hope to other people right 
you know what it's like if I'm down, you're down, you're down, I'm down. Right. But the opposite is true. Yeah. So going into these communities, we drove to this one village. It was way, way out there. Oh, my Lord. And it's rainy season. You're not supposed to go to the villages. Mm -hmm. But they really wanted me to see this one. I said, okay, let's go. And by God's grace, we made it there. The roads are Mm -hmm. brutal. And it's, you know, (laughs) by the end of it, you're just driving across a grass field. And the locals have to guide you around where the mud pits are so you don't get stuck. And then you pull into Mm -hmm. this village and you're like going, where are we? Like, I mean, I don't know where I am. And we'd driven to another county. I didn't even know it. And we got there. And all the tribal chiefs, because we went to the main village. Mm-hmm. But there was, I think, what did they say? Eight different villages in the area. And they all came to sit down. Mm. Not just to meet the white guy, but to meet the guy who would dare come visit them at a time like this. Mm-hmm. And they just sat there looking at me. And, you know, through our, our broken communication, I was able to convey to them why I was there. And we, we emptied the truck of all the rice we had brought. And we sat with them. Mm-hmm. And they started to applaud, like just spontaneously applaud, saying, thank you, brother. Thank you for coming mm-hmm. to see us. This fills our hearts with hope. This mm-hmm. lets us know. Mm-hmm. Like this makes us so happy to know that there are people out there thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, us. people all over the world who have been giving to this cause. And we want to thank you guys mm-hmm. for all the help that you've provided so that, you know, that we're able to do these things. Mm-hmm. All of the money that gets raised, other than a couple of little bank fees, yeah. all of it goes there. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And I want people to know that Hope for Liberia, even though we're not a registered charity, we're not officially a nonprofit organization, but we are nonprofit. Like, we don't make any money. You and mm-hmm. I don't take any salary no. for doing this. Even in my non-existent itinerant ministry right now because of mm-hmm. COVID, you know, God is providing for our needs. So we're, you know, we're okay in that sense. And yeah, when people give, other than small banking fees and getting to Liberia, every penny that comes in, if we mm-hmm. say it's going to this, it's going to that. Right. And and I love that we can say that. And mm-hmm. I hope that will always be the way that we're able to, to operate. So a huge thank you to everyone who has given. And I want you to know that every time you you know people give, that it makes a big difference because a dollar here may not be a lot, but a dollar can get you quite a few things over there. Five dollars. Mm-hmm. Imagine, yeah. you know, people send in a hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, and you think, oh, it's not that much. Are you kidding? That's incredible mm-hmm. what we can do over there. So we are just blown away. You know, every time you kind of get down and go, oh, we're not a charity. People aren't giving, you know, like other big ministries and stuff. Just when you need it, bam, the right amount comes in and you're like, wow, God, you're taking care of us. You're the one who's in charge of this. So it's such an honor to be a part of what God is doing in Liberia. Mm -hmm. So we just want to be able to continue doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we may not know what's, you know, what's ahead in terms of the future and the direction that God's going to take us in. You know, at 50 years old, I never thought that I would be launching out into missionary work in Africa. Mm-hmm. I mean, of mm-hmm. all places in yep. the world, you know, and you're making the, the jump from Jerusalem to, to Monrovia. And you're like, wow, God, I never saw this coming. Mm-hmm. That good one, man. You, you totally blindsided yeah. me in well, and who knows what you're going to wake up with tomorrow morning oh, yeah. and go, <laughs> might not be chickens, but it might be something else. And, and yeah. To do those projects makes such a difference in the, in the people's lives there. Yeah, and we, you know, and so we've been talking to each other, and we just want to focus on you guys who are listening into this podcast today, and we just want to speak to you directly and, and say, I, I don't know, I wish we had a stronger word in English than thank you, because mm. that, that doesn't adequately convey 
what's in our hearts. Yeah. When we an e-transfer comes in, a check comes in, and we're like, wow, guess what we can do with this? Mm-hmm. I mean, so little sometimes can mean so much. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to use the strongest word we have. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We are so grateful. Thank you. And the people of Liberia, thank yeah. you. Yeah. You know, uh, the day I left, uh, I left Saturday night, Saturday morning. I had like a 7.30 a.m. service. I mm-hmm. preached there. And had lunch with a couple of pastors, and they said, "Please tell the people of Canada. Please tell the people of your ministry uh, how how thankful we mm-hmm. are that they that they remember us, and yeah. so um, so that they don't feel forgotten." Yeah, yeah. So what what a privilege, and yeah. uh, what a great conversation. And I know there's actually there's a lot more that we want to talk about, but I think we're kind of getting a little lengthy, and maybe we'll do a, a part two down the road. Mm-hmm. But I want to encourage everybody who's listening to this, um, you know, follow us online, kind of see what we're doing. If you want to be up to date with all of our projects and uh, the progress of where we're at, um, follow me on Facebook, you know, Joe Amaral Public, mm-hmm. Joe Amaral on the Instagram. Hope for Liberia pages. Yeah, follow Hope for Liberia. Yeah. Thank you very much uh, on, on Facebook and on Instagram. And um, just kind of always be. I don't know what's the word just kind of be updated with what we're doing Mm -hmm. because like you said it was chickens a few weeks ago who knows what it's going to be tomorrow (laughs) so make sure you like all our social media yeah we've got a newsletter that comes out every two months so our next one is going to be coming out September 1st that's right and there's going to be a lot of updates in there that I didn't even get to talk about in this in this podcast today God is doing so much Mm. and and it's awesome to to look back and see what he's done Mm mm-hmm and I think, wow, God, as amazing as everything is that you've done is, there's still more to right. do. Yeah. So I can't wait till the next podcast on Liberia and be able to tell people about what God has done since this last one. So mm-hmm. what an amazing, amazing journey it's been from Jerusalem to Monrovia. This has been The Joe Show. I'm Joe. And I'm Karen. And thanks so much for listening.